Team Explaining, a podcast by teens for teens. And today we have a special guest, Sienna. Hey! <laughs> <laughs> I'm Sienna. Um, I'm Chinese American and I am a first generation here in America. My parents are immigrants from China. I like to run, I do cross country and track, and I'm in a program about global studies. Yay! Yay! Okay, how do I segue into this? You ready? Okay. So this week on the 19th marked the anniversary of the Japanese internment camps in America, which created bigotry against all Asian Americans, which is an issue that plagues our nation today. So with that, we wanted to talk about Asian Americans seeing a surge in hate crimes due to COVID. According to Hate Crime Statistic Act, the definition of hate crimes is crimes that manifest evidence of prejudice based on race, gender, and gender identity, religion, disability, sexual orientation, or ethnicity. Hate crimes against Asian Americans have been going up, uh, especially during the uh, coronavirus pandemic, uh, due to political leaders using a bunch of anti-Asian rhetoric um, in their uh, statements about the back, uh, about the virus. Mm-hmm. I feel like uh, the coronavirus, it kind of gave people an excuse to openly like you know act out like act towards asians just like uh something they've kept in for a while they gave them an excuse like oh they caused this they caused that like they should just leave i feel like they just are more violent outwards now i agree yeah i agree too because in the way that many elected leaders talked about the virus like the words that they use like kung flu Chinese flu, like giving a racial connotation to the virus mm-hmm. almost enables people to act more violently because they feel it's more justified now, even though that mm-hmm. hatred has always existed. Mm-hmm. And I feel that many people, when they hear these words, like talk back about why it shouldn't be used. They say that, oh, it's just words. It's just a joke, like calm down. But we see that words matter, especially done by our elected officials. Because, for example, the Capitol riot, let me talk about how Trump enabled his followers to try to overtake the Capitol with his words. And although people might say that he's not responsible for what they did, his support means something because he is literally, he was the president of the United States. Mm-hmm. And if it doesn't, it might not mean anything when you think about just words, but if those words lead to action, they actually matter. Yeah, yeah. I feel like a person mm-hmm. of his power, like Trump, he's the president of the United States. And the United States is supposed to be a country that's like so diverse racially and ethnically. Really, you're supposed to represent everybody, but he's just singling them out. I totally agree. Um, and the bigotry that he created could be seen through Asian American hate crimes in America that have surged during his presidency and surged during um covid when we talk about like asian american hate crimes especially now i feel like it's almost overlooked because of how we perceive asians because we know the model minority myth and i know sienna Mm -hmm. knows a lot about this but it's basically a stereotype against asians and justification for what to downplay their experiences in america yeah basically it's um just the stereotype of being perfect, smart, and just, I guess, better in a way. Uh, always having their goals set out for them, but really 
it's not always the case. I feel like it just gives Asians a really uh, harsh expectation to live up to. And when they don't, they're looked down upon. I read an article um, on how this, um, like the model minority, like the stereotype, it caused a lot of, not a lot, but it caused a lot of people that are of like Asian descent, descent to have legitimate like mental health crises, like in their first year of college, if they get like a B, like a C or a D or something, because the classes are much harder. And it's like, they had to like leave college and stuff. And there was this one therapist lady that was like, yeah, I deal with it a lot because even if the parents didn't like go for that stereotype of you have to be perfect, society did. And so mm-hmm. it was really hard on them. Um, talking about uh, mental health and stuff. So uh, I wrote an essay obviously for like language jars and stuff on controversial topics. And part of some of the points in my essay was about mental health services. And usually, um, of course, the model, the model minority concept like influences Asians' mental health, but some may result to therapy, but most don't. Like those numbers are very minimal. minimal. And according to like clinicians, uh, Asians are less likely to use mental health services due to misconceptions and like cultural values. But that doesn't mean Asians do not like have mental health issues they just don't really like to reach out to them really Mm -hmm. i agree because in the way that we perceive asians it seems that they all have it put together i guess because i know of the brain drain that we've seen in the 60s till now where we've seen a lot of talented immigrants move to america for better opportunities which is a fundamental value that we hold as Americans to see the best and the brightest. But at the same time, it's used as a way to kind of put minority groups at quote unquote war or whatever, because we see the way that society sees Asians, it's that they are quiet, hardworking, well-behaved. And then they use that kind of idea of silence to pin them against what they actually go through in America, which Mm -hmm. is bigotry, rise in hate crimes. And by pinning them to pitting groups together because of this kind of myth, it's working. It doesn't work in their favor. It just works to uphold the idea of white supremacy. Yeah. And I think um, with also the surge in hate crimes, it leaves mental health and mental health illnesses um, of Asian Americans since victims of hate crimes experience more trauma and PTSD and anxiety and depression because they have to have that fear of maybe like facing a hate crime or they're most likely um, most of the hate crimes have been against grandparents so they'll have to worry about their grandparents Mm -hmm. and elders getting hate crimes even just people being scared just walking on the streets you know like that's really tough and sad and a lot of these people like that have caused like a lot of these hate crimes they've just been let off the hook so easily and that just really frustrates me Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i've like sarah said with majority of these people being older asian americans that's even more heartbreaking because I know from from being Filipino, from my perspective, my Lolo and Lola are more reserved in how they react to things. 
And I think many Asian Americans can attest to this also, because we always respect our elders. That's like a principle that we hold in that whole idea of family. So they're more willing to downplay what actually happens to them or not be as outward in their outrage just to alleviate some of that emotional toll that it might have on their family. And then they're more willing to be silent in sake of keeping peace. Yeah. And the fact that, like, I know you said that um, your family reveres uh, your elders Mm -hmm. more. And like a lot of Chinese traditional religions, they revere their... um, their elders more and I feel like the fact that most a lot of the hate crimes have been against elderly Asian Americans is very depressing because based on tradition they revere elders and it's just like very depressing that that's Mm -hmm. happening Mm -hmm. because they pick out the most vulnerable population just like any kind of crime you go for the most vulnerable person because it makes the crime easier to do But to think that these older people are being targeted for their ethnicity and then they're consistently going to stay silent because they feel it's best for their family just lets the system continue to mistreat them and continues for injustice to be served. So you want to talk about any solutions they've seen or what we can do as a society to almost fight for Asian American lives? I feel like um, like white people in general have to learn more about Asian hate crimes, like just the history behind it, because it's not taught in schools at all. We don't really learn about any type of hate crimes that happen that we don't even really learn about internment camps that much to the point like where like we really know what happened. And like we just know like about Pearl Harbor and things like that, but we don't know what mm-hmm actually happened in those internment camps uh against the school i don't think i've ever heard a teacher other than this year i've like i knew they existed because i think in like one like random like standardized test Mm -hmm. there was an article on it Mm -hmm. but i this is the first year that i've ever actually talked about it in a class that reminds me of like uh i was just going through tiktok and i feel like that was what most uh what wait (laughs) <laughs> what taught me most about like Asian hate crimes like for example like uh I forgot uh, the, the guy's name but I th- was it George or something but it was during when like uh when in Japan like the I think car companies were taking over and mm-hmm. this guy he wasn't Japanese but he was Chinese and they mistaked that he was uh Japanese because they all think we look the same but yeah, um, so it, uh, they beat him up and, like, bash his skull open, just openly in front of everybody. Oh yeah, he God. died from that, unfortunately. Rest in peace. But that was, like, I know, That's that was, horrible. like, a day before his wedding, actually. Oh, no. Which is really sad. Oh, my God. Yeah, I read somewhere about that. And you know how now in the world everyone's looking at uh, someone of, like, East Asian descent or, for, you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. yeah. They're looking and they're like, oh, you're Chinese. But that happened, I think I think it was like the 60s. But instead of saying, oh, you're Chinese and you COVID, it was you're Japanese and you're stealing our auto jobs. It's just and history repeating itself. It and our unwillingness mm-hmm. to look back at what we've done wrong and fix it, that, just, that cycle will continue to happen. 
because with the Japanese internment camps, after they were let free, after how however many years they were in them, I think it was like they were given like maybe a, like a thousand dollars, and then were given a train ticket back to where they l- used to live and where their businesses used to be. But Keyword since they were gone for so long, their businesses weren't there, and they had to restart their entire lives because of bigotry due to due to Pearl Harbor. And then they have to rebuild their lives, um, face racial out, racial outrage because they were Japanese or East Asian, and they weren't even paid reparations until like years later, where where their ancestors were paid. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh! And that just goes to show that like our textbooks are so whitewashed to the point that we won't even learn about like anything that really goes on, like uh, like the fact that. Like, Maddie, you were saying the only place that you learned about Japanese internment camps was um, in standardized testing. Like, that should not be the case at all. It should be implemented in in every history class to learn about what happened and what they had to deal with, considering that happened in America. And we should know what the Asian Americans or Japanese Americans had our, to go in through. In our textbooks, we barely learn about any racial disparities ever because they want to paint America as perfect. They've done nothing wrong. You know, like even when we're talking about slavery, we really, really downplay it. And when we're like, when Abraham Lincoln just like was like, oh, it's gone now. Oh, everything's good. Everybody has equal rights. Da, da, da. That's how the textbooks explain mm-hmm. it. And that is not at all what has happened. That they like the fact that we don't even talk about things that have happened against Asians. And like, we don't talk about anything other than slavery, but even that it's majorly downplayed. We never talk about any racial disparities. If they can bury it, they bury it. And that's not how it works. Then it ends up like this and history repeats itself. I feel like, uh, like history books or just, you know, like in school, I feel like they should really represent more people, more ethnic groups, more backgrounds, because like the United States of America, it's not just you know, Caucasian, there's so much more, so many more people to talk about. And I feel like we just all have to be included, you know? Mm-hmm. Because I know since we're all in a specialized program at our high school, so we're able to talk about different ethnic groups, different religions, different experiences that people go through. It gives us a more like broadened scope that it's not just the colonizers who are being represented in our books but it's the true full full idea, full picture of who lives in this world, what they've been through, the repercussions of what they've been through and what we can do for its betterment. So I feel I, that wider implementation of that kind of curriculum is important, especially in our day and age. I feel like it really helps that we're in the specialized program too, because it's, it's, it's pretty diverse for where we live. Mm-hmm. And I that really helps and, us like see other people's pers- perspectives because even if like the teacher's white he'll let asian students talk about like what happened or he'll let a black student you know and it, like we're allowed to talk about it whereas in a normal classroom like that with a bunch of white kids and maybe two or three students of color it just it never gets talked about you know yeah and like representation in general like you don't see and really any representation of asian americans in office even people of color in general you don't see any representation and like it also goes into the model minority myth that 
Asians are politically silent and because like they want like they're seen as like this perfect um this perfect ethnic group that doesn't like do anything wrong and that goes to show that like now they don't have any representation in office to actually get like to actually educate people on Asian American hate crimes and discrimination and help like people to have representation in office wasn't the model minority thing like created so that they could like sh- like when like it was like during like the civil rights movement and stuff and they were all like to the um protesters and stuff they were all like you should be more like the asians that don't stand up for any of their human rights because they didn't they faced a lot of disparities and stuff because they were asian but they didn't face as many as they didn't face the same ones as black people so they were, were relatively more silent right yeah they were just pushing to the rug and that idea of like i've said this before but the idea of pitting two minority groups together because of how they might react to being silenced or they might react to mistreatment because of their race and ethnicity is kind of counterproductive and is used in a way as leverage of for white people Obviously, two different groups will go through different things, but that doesn't invalidate one another. And how they react separately does not, shouldn't matter, because it's still two minorities being disproportionately silenced in a white America. Mm-hmm. Back to what you're talking about, but um, so for a while, <laughs> whites have whites have pitted the Asian community against the black community to downplay the injustice. So basically saying one is better or you should work harder to be like them. I feel like it put them in a rift and it's just, it's just like these people, they don't want to handle like the complexities of racism. Yeah. And like Leona was saying, just pinpointing two minorities together just upholds white supremacy in America because they're like the two minorities would be attacking each other and going against each other when and then that just upholds the idea of white supremacy because no one's target, like no one's actually like holding whites accountable for everything that's going mm-hmm. on. Sienna. Yes. Okay. You don't have to answer this if you don't want to. And I know it can be comfortable. Has there ever been a time where you felt like marginalized because of your race? And how do you feel that those kind of situations should be handled? Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, Growing up in, like, a predominantly white school and, like, area definitely felt outcasted and, like, extremely different. Like, Mm -hmm. oh, I'm Asian. Like, I wish I could be like them. Just to be, like, because, you know, it was the... I feel like I had to have blonde hair, blue eyes just to be liked. Not to be, you know... I just wish I was... I was um, in my, I wish I was white face, <laughs> but um, I feel like just educating people about it because racism isn't racism. You're not born racist. You're just, you're taught that like wherever, whichever environment you grow up in or like maybe your parents, I just feel like it should be talked more about because this happens a lot. Like, a lot of I feel like a lot of Asians have experienced this around like probably 99% according to this article that I wrote in my uh, research paper but 
Um, there were times I uh, I'm thinking about this one. Like whenever it happened to me, like just people in school, let's say mm-hmm. it's like it's pulling their eyes back or something like that, or uh, the myth about like the Chinese middle finger, you know, the oh, yeah. stick on the finger. Yeah. I remember in second grade, these like group of boys just walked up to me and stuck up the pinky finger and was like, How does this make you feel? And I was like, uh what? I, I don't know. It's just, mm-hmm. it. I feel like it singles out a lot of Asians. It doesn't make them feel like they belong. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I just think it should be spoken more about so it doesn't happen again. Mm-hmm. What about you, Liana? Definitely, because like you, I've also grew up in a very white, predominantly white area. And I know like everyone writes their comment app about this. There's like analogies about how you feel as a minority in a predominantly white space. Um, I've seen it like like a banana analogy, a Twinkie analogy or a coconut analogy where you have that color on your outside, but that's almost invalidated and your cultural background is invalidated with how you feel on the inside because in spaces where you're white, you're isolated because of your skin color, because of your ethnicity. Like I remember one day I brought like adobo, like chicken adobo to mm-hmm. cl- to lunch and everyone like kind of scooted away from me because it does have a smell because oh I grow up and stuff. Oh my God. And they're like, ew, that's really gross. And then you, f- you feel like an alien basically. Exactly. Be- Mm-hmm. Like, it, it's, oh. it's, it's so de- it's so like dehumanizing, and then in spaces where it's more, more predominantly people of color, they're like, oh, you're whitewashed, and then you kind of had to have this like identity crisis, where you're like, where is my place in this world? Because you don't feel enough in either space, yeah. and that is kind of normalized in our society. So the idea that it's normalized where it's okay to isolate people because of their ethnicity. That's what perpetuates this idea of normalized racism. Like how you said, like stretching back your eyes or the Chinese middle finger or whatever. It, yeah. It's the reason why these hate crimes are keep consistently happen because the, the Asian American experience is invalidated because we're supposed to be these silent people. We're supposed to be perfect, quote unquote perfect, but it really isn't. And without, acknowledging our our experience it'll continue to happen in different forms and the one thing that we can do is to actually acknowledge what asian americans have been through acknowledge your privilege and then speak out against anti-asian american rhetoric and action yeah uh back to your story about chicken adobo and stuff Mm -hmm. i remember in fifth grade i brought like just rice and like with like onions and stuff i remember i brought to class and everybody was like ew what does that smell i was like definitely not mine they're just like oh my god it stinks so bad i was just like uh like in america there's like so much other like so many other foods to enjoy it's not just like what these kids eat or bring to lens like you have to be more open-minded about like people's different cultures you know what i mean Mm -hmm. like no one's gonna say something about a peanut butter and jelly sandwich but once i bring like you know bonset they're gonna be like what is that 
that's disgusting. That isn't like, I don't know, American in any sense. But that goes to the idea of tolerance and what we can do with education. Because from an edu- everything stems from education. What you learn from a young age, you carry with you for the rest of your life. So if you, if you set up these principles earlier on about acknowledging different experiences that might not be your own, it would lead to more tolerance in our world. It would lead to less hate, which is seen through crimes amplified by this pandemic today. Given the topics of our episode, if you ever see an incident of violence and hate crimes against Asian Americans, there's this website where you can report these instances. It's stopaapihate.org, stopaapihate.org. And if you want to support small Asian American businesses at this time, I think it's in Chinatown. There's a fund where you can, where they reallocate funds to help out small businesses suffering due to racism and bigotry. And that is www.afe.org slash small dash business dash fund. If you learned something from this podcast, you should follow us on all of our social medias at Teensplaining Pod. And also you should follow us on wherever you watch podcasts because yeah. we're kind of cool. You should do that. Yeah, so, so cool. Mm-hmm. If you follow Thank us, you see- if you follow oh. us, bring Sienna back. Yeah. <laughs> 5k likes and we'll bring snow <laughs> yep. do it, guys. five likes first and we'll bring fiona back yeah yeah five likes that's that's all oh, five likes <laughs> like one like please oh yeah so thank you sienna for talking with us for opening up about your experiences as an as an asian american first gen woman and thank you to listeners for watching and listening so, bye. bye. Thank you. Oh, wait, we bye. have all of our sources on our Instagram, by the way. Oh, yeah. Yes. Damn it. I forgot about that. Okay, bye. Bye. bye.